get sneaky. Laurie Rose, the two-time winner, takes the lead from Faulkner. That's the way they finish the first lap. Welcome to another episode of Pit Lane Parlay. I am your host, Mike Jokum. Matt is here. It is mid-Ohio week, one of my favorite treks. I'm actually making the trek out on Thursday, driving out with Team Pit Lane member Frenchie Michael Goodier. So he has to deal with me for seven hours in a car twice in the next week, so... God rest his soul. I'm so sorry in advance for being a pain in the ass. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody. I am sorry. I don't think I could. I, I don't think I could be anywhere with you for more than three hours. I mean, you get you get one hour of my time a week, and we call it good. <laughs> uh, anyways, sad. well, first of all, I had a concerned yeah. viewer who may or may not, but definitely is my mother, say that anyways is not a word. And I say anyways at least 30 times an episode. Is that correct? Uh, you do say it 30 it, times an episode, yes. Anyways, I was talking with her, and she reminded me that it's not a word because I also used to say preface when the word is preface, and that's that's correct. fair. That's just me being an ignorant moron. Um, so that, that one was absolutely right. But I am going to say anyways for a long time. Because I think anyways is a good word to use for getting from one topic to the next. Anyways. I think your mother is technically correct. Oh, is she 100% correct? Like when I used to say funner as a kid, totally not a word. You, you, However, it yeah, has its place. I, I've, heard, I've heard you slip that in there every once in a while in our episodes too. Oh, yeah. Too. I say funner. Or I say when it's a word with an S at the end and then an apostrophe, I always say is, is, is. Which is definitely not how you're supposed to do that, but I do it anyways. Yes. I do that to annoy my wife, and it works very well. So this might be another one we have to collect feedback on if people use the word anyways in their vernacular. Anyways. Do you, do you want to hear something that will really make you cringe? So Frenchie is arriving, so he is driving up from I don't want to hear this. Virginia area no, to I Pennsylvania don't. <laughs> Thursday I don't hear around... By noon or 1 p.m., so being that I'm not flying and I don't have to be at the airport, I will not be packing until Thursday morning. I never checked the results of that Twitter poll. I do want to say, though, that after 50 votes, I was going to say 61%-ish were on my side. So I'm not trying to brag, but thank you to those who voted, especially since I think it was Scumbag Jack was saying that it was going to end up like the whole bags versus cornhole debate that I was just going to get slaughtered in. And then, yeah, not, not to be. So that's great. Anyways, that was not even the, uh, the off topic thing I was going to lead with. Like we've been doing recently. I think it kind of adds some fun and makes people think that we aren't completely miserable all the time, even though most of this early segment is me criticizing you. So I could still be miserable. That's fine. I know. This one, though, so it's these topics are supposed to not be racing-related. This one kind of is, though, because it's something that's been picking up within the racing community, question mark. And that is this uh, new fad with Uncrustables, Smuckers, uh, <laughs> peanut butter and jelly things. 
for me, yeah. my association with those were they were always in like the treat cart aisle in like middle school. Yeah. But I can't personally say I've ever had one. I just make myself my own peanut butter and jelly sandwich and I don't mind the crust. So I just eat it. I just wanted to know if you have any fads with this uncrustable thing. If you think it's the greatest thing ever, if you even had one, where, where are you at with this whole movement? So I'm like you. I'd rather just make my own peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I do probably two or three times a week for lunch or dinner if Meg is elsewhere and I don't have to cook for two and I'm too lazy to cook for myself. That being said, I have had Uncrustables. They are terrible for you. I'm pretty sure they're like loaded <laughs> with sugar. So this is something when you get a little bit older, Matt, you worry about is like how much sugar is in things and, and whatnot. I have to start worrying about things like that, which really sucks. But they're they're good. I don't think they're like God's gift to Earth. Like they're the the current Twitter fad with IndyCar drivers is definitely highly overrated. But it's a good little snack. I just don't think it's maybe a healthy snack a race car driver that needs to be in peak form should be having. You and I who don't need to be in peak physical shape, yeah, sure, who cares? But them, I don't know. But, you know, that's just my uneducated opinion. Yeah, so you're at the stage in your life when you're worrying about sugar and fiber and stuff. I got at least 40 yeah. years to get to, to get to where you're at. So we'll... we'll Jesus. <laughs> You can see his face. Just, <laughs> I got an eye roll. I never get. Audible, you kind of set me up for that. <laughs> I know. I know. I did that on purpose. Anyways, I feel like I'm gonna start emphasizing that now. I think my mom created a monster. Well, she already created a monster, but now yeah, the monster is that new. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Anyways. Let's talk some silly season before we get to mid-Ohio. Uh, we don't have two yes. unless you have a bunch. I personally did not find too much to discuss this week before we get to our preview. But there is some good silly season stuff. So one thing I've had on my list that we've never talked about uh, since it came out, I think about a month ago, was that Roger Penske gave an interview and stated that he is intent on bringing four cars back to the Penske stable next season full-time. Three of those drivers are signed. Simon Pagino remains unsigned. The general consensus is that both parties want to keep going, though. It sounds like Roger is happy to have Pagino on the team. They're probably just working out stuff behind the scenes contractually, I think, is where we're at with that. So, with that being said, is that your understanding slash prediction for what will happen with that whole situation? Yeah, my way too early prediction, he signs a one-year deal, then he goes off and joins Penske's sports car LMDH Porsche program in 2023 and maybe does you know an Indy 500 appearance or something like that. So to play devil's advocate in that situation, yeah. if you are Alexander Rossi and that Penske seat opens up next year, because Pagano's off to Sporty Car. Would you be at all wary of the fact that there's been this recent habit of Penske shelling out kind of old and dusted drivers to his sports car program and kind of being shackled to that with no hopes of doing the Indy 500 or anything like that? That Would that be like a concern for any pros- prospective drivers trying to go to Penske? 
No, I mean, Alex is, what is he, 30? A couple years younger than I am. I what don't is Padgett? Is Padgett exactly. like 38? No idea. So you I'll, look I'll that up that. while I... You know, let's let us let us just say for the sake of discussion while you're looking it up, Rossi is roughly eight years younger than Paginot. So even if he has six or seven good years left in IndyCar before his quote-unquote sports car time comes up, I think that's plenty of time in a top-tier team like Penske. Also, I know Alex loves the sports car racing, so you know, he, I, I think if, let's say, 10 years down the line, he is the next Elio, Pagano, et cetera, who gets an Indy 500 entry, otherwise is doing sports car, I don't think you would see him complain. So Rossi is currently uh, 29, 30 in September, and then Pagano okay. is 37, and I believe his birthday is in May. So yes. So that would make Pagano 31 when he signed with Penske turning yes. 32 in the middle of his first season. So if Rossi signs with Penske after the 2022 season, that would make him 31. So yeah. basically he would be looking at maybe a five-year stint before he got to that, unless it was disaster, which I don't think would happen. But he'd be looking at maybe five to six years before he gets to that. Uh oh, like this is where I start looking over my shoulder kind of thing. And I think that I don't know. I think the the treatment for Elio, whatever. I mean, he still got to do the Indy 500, and he had 17 years to win a championship. So I think it was like I didn't have a problem with him making way for you know the rest of the team or whatever. But with Montoya, I think given the nature of Montoya. He did win the Indy 500. He was so close to winning the championship before the whole team threw it away in Sonoma. He's kind of has this, you know, mercenary style to him where he just jumps from team to team. He's never really at a team for more than five years. I mean, I think his time at Ganassi and NASCAR was like his longest stint with the team ever. So yeah. it seemed like it was, un especially since he did the testing too for the new Indy car. I thought it was kind of unfair to kind of ship him off to sports cars and not. I think he even wanted to do Indy 500 one year, and they they straight up said no, which I think sucks. That's kind of the last thing I would want to see if if a driver gets shipped off there. So hopefully, if if Pagano does end up doing something like you predicted, hopefully they at least let him come back and do the 500. Next up would be Andretti Autosport. So I think it was Marshall Pruitt, Racer Mag, came out with an article this week that said there's going to be a shakeup coming. Herta and Rossi are under contract. Herta is for sure not going anywhere. Rossi is on the verge of being, I would say, discontent with how things are going. And I don't know if that means that stuff within the team needs to change or stuff within his pit box needs to change but he doesn't seem like he's having the best of times right now and then there's hunter ray who is an old <laughs> say, and is not having the best of times the last couple of years and then there's hinch who's having an atrocious season where do you see this all going with andretti autosport next year yeah great topic I'm sure we'll hear this. This will be the, the big hot button issue the second half of this season. And I want to start going back to 
I think it was Road America, somebody interviewed Rossi and Hunter Ray after the race over by one of their haulers. And Rossi had a statement that said, yet again, another irrelevant weekend for us. And he that finished was, seventh. Uh, Rossi's Twitter. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I don't know who, if it was Andretti themselves who took the video or if it was like Rossi's girlfriend or, you know, team or whatever. But that to me was really, really damning. And I... I don't think he's going to say, listen, I want out of my contract. I need to go somewhere else because this is a shit show. But I can see him going, listen, things need to change and the team needs to do better. And when my contract is up, I'm going to take my talents elsewhere. But I think, I guess I'll just make another prediction here. We'll just keep up the prediction train going. We can see how wrong I am at the start of next season. I think Kyle Kirkwood is almost a shoe-in. He's now the tied with Spencer Pickett for the most road to Indy wins or has eclipsed Spencer Pickett. I, I don't remember. Him. Yeah, I don't remember which. He's not leading the Indy Lights Championship right now, but he's only back by he's back by eight points to David Malukas and tied with Linus Lundqvist. So it, it's a tight battle, but I think Kirkwood's going to get the promotion no matter what. The hinge seat, if he's having a bad year, I think the only way that Hinch stays is if Genesis and co. bring enough funding. I, he's got the sponsor that Colton had, the, the Capstone, Capstone Energy. And I know that car is running, that livery is running this weekend at Mid-Ohio with Hinch. So, and they're, they're, both both of his sponsors are, are pretty good on the activation side of things. I think if there's any shortfall in funding for Hinch, he might be he might be in tr- he well, he is in trouble. But I don't know who would necessarily fill in that car. Obviously there's, you know, Askew and Piggott and all sorts of guys that could fill in. I almost feel like uh, George Steinbrenner and a couple other the guys who run the, the Steinbrenner side of things with Andretti have a driver in Indy Lights by the name of Devlin Francesco, another Canadian who's very good. He, in Indy Lights, is sixth in the standings this year. Hasn't won a race, but was very good in Indy Pro 2000 last year. I think he needs another year of Indy Lights before he gets promoted. But if I'm looking at the next young driver outside of Kirkwood that could be an easy shoe in for Andretti. I mean, Devlin's already got the relationship with George Steinbrenner, so that could be an easy one. I don't know about this year, but maybe if Hinch is back for like one more year, then then DeFrancesco would be a good fit after that. Yeah, I think it's kind of weird that Andretti would be in a position to maybe shoo away paid drivers because if Hinch is bringing sponsorship and, you know, Hunter Ray's got the DHL thing, but that that one looked pretty sus before the season. And it kind of came together super late. So I'm not sure how much DHL's got left in them, if I'm being honest. But, uh, 
with Hinge, yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy that they would let him go even if he had the Genesis backing, but they probably say, like, you know, hey, if you want to keep racing, you can bring that to coin, but your results here suck. I still maintain it's not all Hinge, and I think there's more behind the scenes that's happening that we're not being clued in on, but um, it's a results-driven business, and on black and white paper, it looks not good for Hinge. So, yes, I think uh, Kirkwood is a shoe-in for sure, it also doesn't help that DeFrancesco's family is filthy rich, like more money than you ever need kind of rich. So, oh, yeah, his dad is a follower of mine on Twitter, really nice dude. He is, I think, a CEO of a company that owns a bunch of companies, including Coldstone Creamery. Love that place. Oh. So if you go Overrated. to Coldstone Creamery, you basically love DeFrancesco. So there you go. There's the segue you never knew okay. you needed. So, yeah, I yeah. think uh, there is definitely going to be a shakeup. I'm pretty sure Michael is probably not super pleased with how the team's doing this year, given that their team on paper this season looked really good and they have fallen short of expectations massively again for the second straight year. Before we move on in our silly season discussion, I wanted to ask another Andretti question. We've got seven races left, including this weekend, so there's – very little likelihood that we see kind of like a Hinch step in for Veach situation to get that car in the leader circle because I don't think Hinch is necessarily going to tumble out of the leader circle at this point. Although it's it's close, but I don't I think he'll be okay. But what do you what do you think team wise can be changed this year? Because you kind of alluded to it with Hinch's car, but. I have another idea, but I'll let you go first. I mean, you look at Rossi and the success. Nothing within that operation has changed as far as as far as I know, like engineer strategists, things like that. And they're just not as fast. So I think to me, it has to be something with the development of the car in the off season. So damper shocks, something along that line, because. But what about the rest of this year? No, so the rest of this year, I I don't. I mean, I don't know where they found all this pace all of a sudden last year, where they like you know did great at Mid Ohio and then the Harvest Grand Prix and whichever the other. I don't if they were both Harvest Grand Prix. I already forgot. About it. I try to block twenty twenty from my memory pretty good. Uh, and then St. Pete, they were like, <laughs> they were like dominant in St. Pete before everything went wrong, but they were the, clearly the best team at St. Pete last year. And then this year, Herta was strong at St. Pete. Rossi had the incident with Rahal. Hinch had the incident with Sato. And Hunter Ray probably had an anvil fall on him again. So I just, there hasn't been a race this year. I'm like, wow, this team's really good. It seems like, you know, between Hinch kind of always being slow compared to the others and then Rossi not having his usual season. I'm not sure they can do anything to save this season. I think they really have to focus on matching Penske and McLaren in development car. Ganassi really found something in the offseason, obviously, because they're so strong everywhere. So I think for me, it's not necessarily a change of this driver, change this engineer. I think there's something in the development stages of where they're at that they need to work on. Yeah, I I was thinking about it and, you know, looking at somebody like Rossi, who has Jeremy Millis as an engineer and Rob Ed- Edwards as his strategist, and I was kind of thinking, like, is it worth changing one of those guys? But I feel like the three of them have been so successful over the last couple of years, well, you know, prior to last year, the 
first couple of years of his Andretti career. And Rob Edwards is such a good leader at keeping Alex calm when he might get a little angry at something that I don't think a shakeup there would be worth it. But there's, I feel like there's something engineering or strategy-wise that maybe the way they're approaching practice or qualifying that needs a big overhaul because, like, hardest team I wouldn't touch. But outside of that, if, if there's a you know, lead engineer below, let's say, Jeremy Millis, like whoever's right below Jeremy Millis, maybe it's time to switch him and Hinch's car. You know, some sort of, you know, just switch something up because something has to change on that team. Otherwise, they are going to just continue to have a dismal year. For sure. Next up, McLaren, our one of our favorite teams to talk about. They are apparently shopping around because they are maybe adding a third car next year. They want to kind of have the same amount of cars that a Ganassi or an Andretti would have so they can have more data points, et cetera, et cetera. We don't need to go into why having more cars is better. What is your way too early? So let's just say in a hypothetical world this happens. So let's not be naysayers here per se. Right. In a hypothetical right. world, if this happens, who are your maybe one or two drivers that would be leading candidates for this seat? Great question. Funny we talk about McLaren because I was reading the PLP Instagram DMs last night because I haven't checked them in like four months. Michael. And it and it went back to a, I found a bunch from the episode that we did when McLaren said, Hey, we are full time now with Schmidt Peterson. And everybody said, screw McLaren. I hope they're the worst team on the grid. And now it's pretty hard to find a McLaren naysayer out there. If you if you still are a McLaren naysayer, please let us know. I'd be interested to see well, two years later there's like why. The, there's the bump day thing. There's the hinge thing. There's the ask you thing. Oh, I'm there's not the- saying like, I'm not saying there's not reasons, but they're becoming, it's becoming harder to find the, the loud majority. There was a good 10 DMs from the day we released that episode that were uh, F McLaren, screw these guys. Uh, now you don't, now you don't see. Are that you as sure often. that? But anyway, are you mis- are you confusing the words McLaren with Mike Jokum? Oh no, people have said that on Twitter. So you know, <laughs> you get used to that though. <laughs> well, I got some. I got some uh, passionate responses about packing habits. I wasn't expecting that. I mean, I've said I called. Max Chilton an asshole or something. No, I said Max Chilton would call me an asshole. Yes. Wait, I feel like I've said worse. I mean, I've said worse in this podcast than, oh, yeah, I pack 24 hours before I go on a vacation. But for some reason, that's the thing that, like, drew the biggest response I've ever seen in this podcast. Yeah, I've gotten a lot of heat in the last week over things I do. I don't, Just I don't wait till we say that Uncrustables are not that great. We're going to get – we might as well go into witness protection. Yeah, you're not going to hide in the media center at every track. You won't see me running around anymore out of fear. <laughs> All right, anyway. who's your McLaren drivers? <laughs> my, my McLaren driver. So Felix and, and Pato are both safe. As as much as I've said Felix is on the hot seat, he's got a contract through next year. I know that doesn't necessarily mean much, but if you listen to everything Taylor Kyle says, I, I wonder if Askew kind of the – kind of taught them a lesson because his tone is very different when he is interviewed about Felix versus when he was interviewed about Askew during the year last year. So 
think that both of them are safe. The third driver, I think that would be a great spot for... I'm going to say it's going to be a, a veteran driver of sorts. Maybe Piggott, maybe... Who else is out there that's available that has Indy cars? Maybe Sage Karam? No, I don't think he'll bring the budget. Any current drivers? I mean, like current as in like, you know, full-time or whoever. I could, if Pagano isn't re-signed by Penske, he's going to McLaren. So that's kind of like the big if. So I'll say Pagano maybe, if not, I don't know. Here's, here's a shot in the dark. This is a total, probably, I'm definitely going to be wrong, but. Roman Grosjean? That's what I was going to say. So yes. my two that I thought up Suck were it. Roman Grosjean, if if ovals are okay, which is well, something we got to keep our eye on, too, is Homestead might be back on the calendar, and that's a brand-new oval for who's done who's done a Homestead. Dixon? Dixon. Carpenter. Hunter Ray. Power. Ray Ray Hall, yeah, Ray Hall maybe the last. And year then if Kanan is somehow still doing the oval thing next year, then him. But that's two TBD. I think that's that's, that's almost got to be that. That's got to be the list. We're running out of them. Elio, if Elio does more races, yeah, with if, yeah. Next year. So it'd be pretty much a new track for everybody, and I'm assuming they would do their winter test there, so he would get some time. So yeah. yes, if. Grosjean does the ovals. I think he would be a shoe-in. I mean, you look what he's doing with Coyne, Rick Ware racing, with Dale Coyne racing, with Master Sullivan, whatever is going on with that entry. And then my <laughs> other one that would also be a shoe-in based on his results would be Renus VK, depending on what his plans are for next year. But he good call. looks very good. And I think he and Pato would be a formidable young force that they could build upon and then maybe have that third car as a veteran presence felix kind of a veteran but he's only got one year left and if things don't keep if things don't improve that seat will be a good one for the following silly season so we'll keep our eyes on that I have a few for you oh gosh so real quick i'm going to take a high level view and then i'll go through a couple other cars we could theoretically and thanks to team pit lane member our buddy George, who tweeted this earlier today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or padel, as it's called in North America, this is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, 
industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Both of the Foyt cars could potentially be up for grabs next year. Two Andretti cars. The third, McLaren, that we mentioned. Carlin, who the hell knows what's going on with them. Ed Carpenter Racing the is always in a state of flux, especially with the 20 car. Coin, technically both cars are free agents. Penske, like we mentioned. And the, I think Sato is a free agent after this year. So I'll segue right into that. I, I think, from from what I've heard, the 52 car, which is the Rick Ware Racing, Vassar Sullivan, Dale Coyne, whatever entry, could be entered a handful of times throughout the year. And if it's not, you'll also see the third Ray Hall car, or like this weekend, both. So if Ray Hall expands to a third car full-time, which is looking more likely than ever right now, who do you think is the leading candidate for the Ray Hall car? Or who would you, who would your candidate be? Well, can we pause for a second and just say, would you have expected this in April of 2020? No. I think the schedule still needs some work. I think, you know, obviously more ovals. But the fact that we are in a position where teams are continuing to grow, despite what we just went through last year with pandemic and the economy and things like that, I am amazed that this is happening so first off that's super awesome who is the leading candidate it has to be santino right like it just it just has to be they they want to i mean i thought antonio felix da costa was going to be a shoe-in for mid ohio and then here they come again and they pick santino and i was reading the press release and the way that the high v ceo speaks of santino i don't know if that guy doesn't have a google account or knows how the internet works but man he talks about Santino like he's the second coming so it never hurts we'll uh he may have listened to our episode about Santino <laughs> which apparently we got bribed to do but uh yeah I think the uh I think the way the high CEO talks about Santino and the the partnership that's continuing to grow with Ray Hall Letterman despite what Graham may have told us at Road America, I think, makes Santino the easy shoe-in for that that ride. As long as he doesn't do anything stupid or say anything stupid, I think we'll see him back next year. Yeah, that would be my guess, too. I I know that will make about 98% of the IndyCar paddock upset, including his teammate and maybe future team owner, Graham Rahal. But three, three top tens in three races, yeah, he wrecked a tub or two, but... He's, he's had the results. I know he's a controversial figure figure, and will remain as such for many reasons that we don't need to waste our time on at this point. But, yeah, I don't think we need to predict the Foyt entries and Carlin's existence and whatnot at this point. But it is crazy that almost half the field in one way, shape, or form is kind of 
up for grabs it's next year but i'll wrap this kind of silly season-ish discussion up with one topic so as we mentioned i think last week the aj foyt four car which is the dalton kellett mobile is last in full season standings by a handful of points do you think at some point this year aj foyt does what he did last year and, and pulls Dalton for Spencer Piggott, J.R. Hildebrand, somebody else just to get try to get some points in that car because, I mean, I I don't see any hope of, of Dalton getting a top 15 finish at this point. He's shown absolutely nothing. Do you want Hickey's brain answer or Hickey's heart answer? Heart answer. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, bring in Piggott, bring in... Serbia, I don't, I, I don't give a shit. Bring in anybody for God's sakes; they can do better. Um, what does your brain answer say? Oh, my brain says there's no way he's paying for that seat, so they're not going to kick him out. But I mean, bring in. I don't. Technically, know, who, he was paying whoever. for it last year before they removed him anyway. Yeah. But it wasn't the full season, and it was kind of like on a part-time basis, and I'm assuming they probably just said, like, hey, here's your $200,000 back. We don't need it. Versus I'm assuming before the season they just cut him a check and, like, here's your $6 million. So I think it might be yeah. circumstantial okay. now Now that he's a full-time driver, but I guess I don't really know how that works. But I, I would be shocked if they removed him. Um, and if they're doing it, sure. they probably should do it now before it gets too late because they're only going to have a X number of races to – claw their way back they're not going to have the largest sample size to get back into it so they're going to run out of time if they just keep it going yeah i feel like after mid ohio while we have you know essentially a month off because of the olympics is the time where i feel like silly season will explode we might see something if dalton is removed then would be the perfect time to give whatever driver some simulator time some time with the team etc etc instead of rushing him in at the last minute so i i don't know if we have much else i have a couple mid ohio road to indy notes that fire away and lead off our discussion with so yeah like i mentioned we, we don't discuss it too often on here but we do have our partnership with hmd motorsports and global racing group I'll be doing another interview with them at Mid-Ohio this weekend. I think we're getting a crew guy, but David Malukas does lead the points in Indy Lights. Linus Lundquist is tied for second. Benjamin Peterson, who Matt and I talked to a couple weeks ago, is ninth. And Nikita Lastigin is down in 12th. You can see my, my Russian is worse than my, my German or other languages yeah, is at this Mr. point. Mr. Butcher? Yeah. And then, real quick, just Indy Pro standings. Christian Rasmussen leads Braden Eves by 18 points. And USF 2000, Kiko Porto leads Yuvan Sundaramorthy. I got that one right because I've heard his name well a million times this year. By 15 points. And I guess the only other road to Indy note before we kind of chat about our predictions this weekend, or and I have one other kind of point on, on the race, there are 28 USF 2000 cars. I think there's like five or six that are part-time entries, including David Bird's son, Nathan Bird. So it would be good to see David Bird at the track, which means 28 cars is the highest USF grid since 2013, so in eight years. 
I know we talk a lot about car counts and road to Indy and how not good they've been over the last couple of years, but it's pretty damn healthy right now. 28 cars is insane for mid-Ohio. Kind of goes back to the, would we have predicted this last year? No. No, so, not a chance. Shout out Roger Penske, uh, Dan Anderson, and Jay Fry, and everybody on the team. They're doing a great job. So the fact that these counts are, are rising are good, and hopefully it has a trickle up. Usually the terms trickle down, but this has to trickle up from trickle the lower up. series. <laughs> yeah, it has to go, it has to go should upwards. We, should we make that like a new podcast trickle catchphrase? Up. The, tr- the trickle ball up. The tr- trickle up. Trickle Stay up off the rumble strips. Wow. <laughs> anyway, so no, it's anyway. We have we have some. We have. Some, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that to your poor mother. <laughs> Felix Rosenquist returns in the seven car this weekend. Super happy to see him healthy. And Santino Ferrucci is in the third Ray Hall car. And then we have a, a slightly out of left field entry in Ryan Norman making his IndyCar debut at Mid Ohio in the. 52 car so matt that means we've got 26 cars at mid ohio again another couldn't have predicted this one 26 cars is amazing to see but ryan norman what are your thoughts i didn't stop believing in him i hate (laughs) that awful journey pun that you made out of that I mean, well, like, well done, but, like, that's an old sort of, like, you're an old man with that reply there. That's like I know a, what the song is. I mean, Jesus, I've been to a wedding. That that song, that, that has to be on, like, your bingo card at a wedding is that someone plays Don't Stop Believing. That so, was not played at my wedding. You got married? Someone married you? We've had this discussion. I don't understand why either. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm in the same boat, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah I mean... It's uh, shocking. It kind of came out of left field, but as I explained to myself on this podcast two weeks ago, you got to kind of keep an open mind, and, you know, I wish him the best. I I mean, would he have been my first pick to jump into a car randomly? Probably not, but I'm assuming, slash I can almost guarantee there has been a lot of hard work that went into this entry the last year or so, or I guess since 2019, since that was his last lights race. And I don't know what he had lined up last year if the pandemic ruined it or whatever, but, you know, there probably was a lot of logistical efforts that went in for him to get this seat. So I guess in that sense, I'm super happy for him because it's nice to see hard work pay off. You know, I I highly doubt this just fell in his lap. So glad to see that hard work pay off. I wish him the best. I think, who knows? I mean, back when he was J.D. Davidson, James Davison made his debut in Mid-Ohio in 2013 or 14, and I think he did yeah. pretty good. So I I think uh, got to keep an open mind and, you know, maybe top 15. I don't know. It's I, I wish him the best, though. I, I, I have really nothing negative to say about Ryan Norman. Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued because, unlike Dalton Kellett, he actually won on the road to Indy. He had a win at Gateway in 2018 and a really good finish and had a win at Road America in 2019. Also had some scattered podiums throughout 2018 and 2019 with the Andretti Indy Lights program. So I'm I'm intrigued. I hope he is at the media bullpen when this episode is released. So later today, I guess, technically. 
but I, I'm, you know, I've, I've never met the guy, never talked to him, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I know part of his sponsor is some cryptocurrency thing that yeah. I've never heard of, and part of it is uh, a company I think his dad owns, but also has gotten investments from Alex Rossi and Alex Rossi's dad, I think, and a couple other notable names. I don't remember who. I know Rossi for sure because it's in the I've seen the ad pop up on Facebook like a million times. So I've I've seen the Rossi name on there. But anyway, good for him. He's he's done pretty well in, in the Michelin pilot challenge for Brian Herta Autosport. So he's he's you know he's kept up racing over the last year and change so he's not not super rusty i think i think he should do pretty well let's look at his mid ohio results here 2017 not so good then again that was his first year of indy lights 2018 he had a fifth and a third 2019 a f- second and a fourth so respectable so you know let's let's hope he does good so that being said hope you all enjoy the race weekend we have our top five from i hope a lot of people are going top five from race one of last year because we did have two of them was willpower yep. dominated new garden rossi ray hall hunter ray and then the second race so this is kind of like i said this is where the andretti resurgence really started for last year it was herta rossi hunter ray ray hall erickson so with that being said who do you have in your good prediction actually have a question for you before we get there. Oh God, no, Andretti's not so, going to do good. Uh, no, that's not my question. Okay, fair point though. So this year's race, eighty laps. Last year, I think both were seventy-five. So previously, before that, twenty nineteen or eighteen, it was ninety laps. So it being eighty laps is essentially guaranteeing two stops. Some people aren't too excited about that. Last year, Willpower loved 75 laps because you could just run full hot, full all, full fuel, don't worry about anything because you're going to have to pit twice anyway. It's just a matter of what lap and, and maximizing the most out of your car. So do you, do you agree with what Will said last year? Five more laps, probably still guaranteed two stops unless craziness ensues. So what are your, what are your thoughts on how the race may play out from that standpoint? I don't like doing the whole what ifs or yeah, looking at it on paper, it's going to be a two stop because there's so many things that can go in in a race. And I know mid Ohio is one of the more predictable races that we go to with few cautions, but you really never know. So I am banking on there definitely being a caution or two. So I think stressing about what the expected fuel window is before the race I just, it's kind of like stressing over the weather. Like, you know, it can change in a heartbeat or this or that can change. And with the race, the weather never changes. Yeah. Right. So the, with the race, it's like, you know, there could be a caution. There could be five cars taken on the first turn. You just don't know. So I think we just got to kind of keep an open mind. And yeah, if it goes green the entire time, then yes, you'll see two stops. But if there is other circumstances that pop up or start raining or whatever, then everything gets flipped on its head. So you never know. Yeah. Fair point. I, I I can't argue that. If it does play in the two strategy two stop strategy hands, I I do like the fact that it's not going to necessarily be a fuel save race. There will be plenty of time for passes to be set up and things to happen. And yeah, who knows? It might end up being three stop because everybody flat stop 
flat spots their tires and spins backwards and chaos ensues and who knows. Yes, chaos. No, that was ah. kind of off topic. Yeah. Who do you have doing good? Anyway, I am going to say that Graham Ray Hall has a, a good weekend. Mid-Ohio is always one of his strong tracks. Obviously, it's the Ray Hall home track, but yeah, Ray Hall. I'm going to say Will Power is going to have himself a good weekend. Uh, who do you think is going to do bad? Let's go with Will Power. Oh, rude. Uh, I love him. I know I've never I've never picked him in the in the bad category, so maybe he'll win because I usually only pick him in the good category. Yeah, that's how that works. I love him, but last couple races at mostly no fault of his own have gone really poor. So I'm gonna go with Jack Harvey at their home race, unfortunately. And then who is your dark horse top ten? James Hinchcliffe. He's gonna turn it around this weekend. Wow. I am going to say Felix comes back. Okay. Rises from his no fault incident and claims a top ten this weekend. Uh so glad to see him back. Glad he's healthy. So that was really really cool to see today. Do we have anything else? Nope. Uh if you're at the track, find me, say hello. I'll be Running around most of the weekend. I'll have some Pit Lane Parlay t-shirts available for sale if you want them. I'm just going to throw all of them that are sitting next to me in the trunk of my car. I'll try to do some sort of meetup for anybody who wants to say, to say hello. Maybe Saturday before or right after the final evening practice. Maybe before. We'll we'll see. I'll, I'll tweet it out Saturday, by, by like late morning Saturday. So just... Or look at the PLP Twitter, and I will let you know where. Actually, let's make it by the styled aesthetic tent, which is in the fan area on the infield, because at least that way I know where I'm walking already. So that being said, that's all I've got. I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of people there, and guys, have a lovely weekend of racing. Today's podcast was presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. If you're a podcaster, you can apply too immediately and get connected with advertisers that fit your audience. Go to podgo.co at podgo.co and let them know that we sent you there. Running should be simple. Just put on your shoes and go. And yet, when you try to learn about how to get better at it, especially as you age, you're confronted with conflicting advice, complicated workouts, and confusing nutrition trends that just won't work for you. On The Planted Runner, I'll share exactly how to run faster, longer, and feel great doing it at any age because you don't have time to waste. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and I went from not running at all in my late 30s to finishing a marathon in 2.58 at age 42, all on a plant-based diet. I've helped hundreds of runners achieve new personal records well into their 60s and even 70s with science-back training, plant-based nutrition, and proven mental strength techniques. Each episode of The Planted Runner is like a private coaching session on the run where you'll learn from me and the guests I interview. You'll get actionable lessons to help you become a better runner every week and reach goals that you never thought possible. 
Whether you're training for your first 5K or your 50th marathon, take along the planted runner on your next run. Let me show you how your best running is still ahead of you. 